Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. know that you can now get access to more of my content education support and guidance in the new thrive community platform thrive is a place to connect with like-minded individuals who are all on the journey of living alcohol free you can gain access to materials and a video library of toolkit ideas which will help keep you grounded as well as boost your emotional sobriety It's a place to celebrate milestones, big or small, and connect with me directly via weekly lives and a weekly Q&A session in Zoom. No matter where you are in your quest to live a happy, free and sober life, there is plenty to gain from Thrive. Membership is just £20 a month and none of the internal tools are gated, so you won't be asked to pay more for courses and tools once you're in there. Please head over to www.sassysobermum.com slash thrive or click the link in my Insta bio. Look forward to seeing you. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm chatting to Olivia who's based in Dublin. She's been sober for four years and three months so I'm really excited uh, to have you on the show Olivia and to talk to you about your sobriety. Thank you for joining me. Thanks Terry. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and I must I must self-disclose, um, Olivia has already seen, but I've got a kitten <laughs> who's only on his third day in the house. So um, I've got him on my lap at the moment. So if there's some meowing, I'm afraid I won't be able to help that <laughs> this podcast. So we're just going to go for it. Um, Olivia, tell us a bit about you. So um, I'm 41. Um, I'm living in Dublin. I'm married to Gary. He is a very beautiful man. And we have two gorgeous children, um, a boy who's seven and a girl who's five. Um, I really like to exercise. I actually started doing a lot of hit exercise around about the time I got sober. And that has been really helpful for me. I love reading. I could probably do that all day, every day. Um, I'm really social. I love talking to people. I love meeting people. I love traveling. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh, thank you. Um, so let's talk about your, um, relationship with alcohol, uh, describe how that looked. Okay. So I suppose I've, I've listened to this podcast a lot and what I've kind of heard is a similar story to mine. Um, I started drinking about 15, which is kind of normal, um, like with all my friends and it was a quarter bottle of vodka with a bit of Coke on a Friday evening. Not, not, nothing too intense although a quarter bottle of vodka is a lot for a 15 year old but yeah so it kind of went that way I spent a lot of summers as a teenager in a a coastal surfing town in Donegal and we had an amazing time there drank a lot uh, went out a lot so um in explaining that I've been very social my drinking revolved around being out out and about and to nightclubs pubs that kind of thing so that yeah so that was kind of 16 17 18 went to university met people who were kind of wild Uh, I had a wild time there Uh, the drinking kind of remained the same but there was always a kind of so I would go like out for a couple of nights in a a row and then I kind of wind it back a bit and then I so there was always kind of a tug there um Mm. so yeah so university was like that um met some really brilliant friends there we had phenomenal nights out it was all very light kind of at that time Mm. um then my 20s was kind of the same I went traveling and I went to Australia there was a lot of a lot of nights out. When I arrived in Sydney, I went out for 16 nights on the trot. 
Okay. Yeah. So it was intense. Um, then I actually moved back and moved to England. I did a master's over there and actually didn't really drink that much then. And then came back to Dublin in about 26 and all my friends had kind of moved on. Um, and I kind of felt, felt a little bit out of place. So that's when I think probably maybe I had a bit of depression, probably looking back, I did. And alcohol didn't help then. That was a, a kind of a dark, a dark time, kind of 26, 27. Then I met my husband at 28. Um, he is a very, very calm drinker. He, if he never saw another drink, it wouldn't bother him at all. He has one or two, like not even that often. So then my, my alcohol intake kind of waned then. So we'd go on nights out or whatever. We might have a bottle of wine here at the weekend. Nothing major. So then got married, had kids, um, didn't, alcohol didn't really feature. Um, it's funny, uh, when I had kids because we were so tired, I couldn't drink. I just, I was, we prioritized sleep over everything. So, um, it kind of, that's, there wasn't really a lot of alcohol then in kind of thirties, then mid thirties, when the kids were getting a little bit older, we started going out that little bit more, going to weddings, all that kind of stuff. But, um, hangovers became pretty horrific so for me any time that I drank I would have the most like they were biblical they were I could vomit for 12 hours I would head down a shame spiral it was just it was absolutely horrific um so I think that's my body's way of telling me you cannot drink anymore like it just it doesn't suit you but I just I couldn't hear the message you know and then it wasn't like my main drinking would have been done in my kind of teens and twenties, not really in my thirties or whatever, you know, I was living a really functional life, but on the, you know, maybe I was drinking 10 times a year at that stage, but every time I drank, there was consequences. So it Mm. was just, it was, it started to look really, really painful and especially psychologically as well. So I would have a lot of shame, guilt, regret. I kind of, uh, I had this, kind of I don't know if you call it a rule but if I could remember going to bed then I wouldn't have a hangover but if I blacked out and I couldn't remember how I got to bed then I know Mm. that like it would just be really really horrific but like I know my husband would have said to me on a lot of occasions he goes if I drank if I had hangovers like you I just wouldn't drink but I don't know it just wasn't it never because I just drank like everybody around me so I didn't really know that it was any different yeah yeah so and I think it's easy as well, isn't it, um, in that situation to feel like, yeah, that, I mean, if everybody else is is managing around yeah. you, it seems to be moderating and all, Absolutely. Of, all of the rest of it. It, it, it. Did you ever feel like, well, the problem is just with me, I'm the only one that feels like this? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was the one who was like after... I know after a friend's 30th birthday, it was over in County Clare and I literally stayed in bed for the entire day, but I physically couldn't get out of the bed and everyone was up and around and milling and I always thought it was just me. Yeah. Um, Now I know for sure it's not just me, (laughs) but um, yeah, it just, I don't know, alcohol, I, I, I find myself really sensitive, like I'm sensitive to a lot of things and I just think that I was really sensitive to the effects of it as well. Now, like I always... Uh, you know, three three drinks were great, but six were amazing. Do you know that yeah. kind of way? Yeah. So I could never. I, you know, I hear people say a lot on this podcast. You know, I could never have one or two. I could never understand how per- somebody could have one yeah. or two drinks. I just couldn't. It, yeah. it would never stop. And especially, like, I could abstain. I could drive anywhere. I could go to dinner. I could do whatever. But the minute I had one drink, it's like the floodgates opened. Mm. It's those feelings of euphoria, of Mm. like serotonin. It's like you're going to have the most amazing night ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely felt alone. Actually, have you, did you, um, uh, skipping about a bit here, but, um, after you got sober, you know, I, I, I know myself, I did a lot of research into the brain science and, what happens when you have the alcohol and how it affects the brain and all of that stuff and so it's so much easier then to realize why having one is really hard yeah do you know what I mean it's quite it's quite fascinating but of course you don't know that 
at the time when you're in it absolutely Um, not yeah yeah so um when you uh were leading up to stopping drinking you talked about in your kind of earlier years that drinking was quite light I I like that because I kind of I feel it, it was more fun wasn't it back then yeah. kind of it was like 90% fun 10% cost yeah um, absolutely and then over time I I always say in my sort of 30s it's kind of becomes a bit 50 50 yeah like half fun half cost but the fun is still a big enough portion in, you know for it to, to to want to carry on and then in my early 40s or late 30s early 40s that really swung into 10% fun and yeah. 90% cost yeah. so at what point did it start to get kind of more dark for you were you drinking at home or anything like that I mean how did it kind of change what 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 got you to the point of, of stopping basically yeah so um this is kind of where it all gets a bit a little bit uh strange <laughs> so I had I, I listened I was kind of drinking on a, a Friday night we might have share a bottle of wine that kind of thing so on the 30th of November 2017 I had a dream right and the dream in the dream I heard a message I, I don't know that said you need to give up alcohol for 400 days that's all it said so I woke up the next morning and it was the first of December that year and I just said I said to Gary I've been told to give up drink in my wow. dream and and he just said well off you go do it but he was actually only messing so I took it seriously right um didn't really think much of it so gave it up for 31 days uh, so all over Christmas and like I said wow. it wasn't really wasn't really a problem just said you know I'm I'm giving up drink based on this dream or whatever so then on the 31st of uh, December New Year's Eve we went to a lovely hotel and uh, we there was a Singapore sling on the on the menu now I had been to Singapore and we had drank Singapore slings where they were invented in that hotel excuse me and um, so I was like I never see Singapore slings on a menu I'm gonna have fun so I had one and then we again we shared a bottle of wine that night and that was fine so then that kind of led me to believe, oh, I might kind of start moderating again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that was, let's say, January. And from the January until the time I gave it up in the July, I drank maybe four or five times. So but every single time ended in catastrophe, like right. maybe not catastrophe, but dramatic scenes of uh, falling banging my head people worrying about me not remembering stuff I ended up in a cupboard like mad stuff that like a a 37 year old woman shut with two little kids my kids were very small at the time and I just I began to get really really deeply ashamed about how I was behaving so then we what really kind of escalated the situation we went to Spain for a wedding in that July Um, our kids were three and one at the time it was our first time away we were like teenagers we were in nightclubs until like six o'clock in the morning like it was wild it was fab Um, and but the hangover the hangover from hell happened the day before the wedding and I sat in a bed in Spain with my heart palpitation heart palpitating my anxiety paranoia was through the roof I genuinely felt I am going to die in this bed in Spain and this will be the end of my life. Like it was literally, it was that dramatic, the shame. I'd fallen and hit my head off a a toilet cistern. I mean, like it was just deeply shameful, deeply traumatic as I look back now. Um, Then woke up the day of the wedding, um, like just was drinking all of that day uh, to kind of cope with the hangover. Um, And then we were on a mountain top in a, a, a place in Nurka in Spain and um, I had been drinking gin for a lot of the day but because I'd been so hungover it wasn't really affecting me so it's completely sober and I had a gin and tonic in my hand it was about maybe one o'clock in the morning and I just handed it to Gary and I just said this will be the last drink that I will ever drink in my life and I handed it to him and not sure of what it was or whether I was serious or but that has been the last drink I have ever drank and that's four years four years and three months ago and it was the 4th of July so I kind of have now renamed that I was reborn on the 4th of July yeah what a story yeah yeah oh that is that is 
Yeah, what a story. Wow. Um, God, yeah, that that hitting your head and falling over and all of those behaviors that go, yeah, hand in hand when you, you drink too much. A lot of people would really you know, laugh and I would laugh those things off. But deep down, I felt so much shame at, at those things. I just thought, I just felt like this is not funny. Just the same as what you just said. <laughs> you know, I'm a mom in my late 30s. I shouldn't be doing this stuff. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's quite... That's hard, isn't it, to get through yeah. those moments at yeah. the time. And, it's, and you feel strangled by the yeah. shame. It's, yeah. it's suffocating at that. It the is. guilt, the regret, like these yeah. are really, really low based feelings and yeah. they, they kind of have no place in your life. But my mind just went there. Mm. Like it just, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a tough time, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can, I can completely understand. And it's that phenomenal as well that you just had that moment of clarity when you had that drink in your hand and you just thought, right, this is it. it's it feels it's that's exactly what it is it feels I've done a lot of reflecting on it so I think that what happened was so in the months and the couple of well maybe the four or five times that I had drank in the months since my initial break that I had built up like intentional energy so Mm -hmm. like I had unconsciously or consciously whatever just it, it had begun to be less fun all the time you know so I was building up and building up and building up and finally I could not be in that body with alcohol anymore and that's what I kind of attribute it to now that I just it I there wasn't space for me and the alcohol mm. something had to give and yeah. it was just it just what it was doing was just it was it was completely breaking me it really, yeah. really was. Yeah. I love that phrase, intentional energy. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's yeah. really, because that's, yeah, I mean, that's a bit like what it is, isn't it? I suppose when you have that sober curiosity, which is that bit that does come before stopping or, or stopping for good, um, you know and uh, yeah that is intentional energy isn't it you are there is a part of you that is thinking about stopping this this destructive thing called alcohol in your life which is ruining your life um and I just think that's a really nice way of phrasing it yeah that's really yeah really really great yeah what um what did you do to get sober and how did you feel, if you can remember back, because I appreciate it, it's uh, over four years now, but how did you feel on that kind of first few days of your yeah. So I had a determination like I think I have never had before. So yeah. I, uh, oh, actually, as I left the hotel, I, I love little kind of um, stories of coincidence or yes. um, what's the other word beginning with S? Uh, um Anyway, coincidences. So generally, as I was walking out the hotel room the the day after, uh, you know the way when you can exchange books in hotels? There was a copy of Russell Brand's Recovery on the table. No way. Take, yeah. So I I took it with me and I took it as as a sign. That's incredible. Isn't it? So it was just there. It's like it was smiling up at me. It was the only book there on the table and the rest were kind of beside on a bookshelf. So I took that with me and ran out the door and when I was in the airport or or somewhere anyway in that next day I bought the bible of uh, us who have given up drinking so the unexpected joy of being uh, sober so I literally read that in in the day after let's say it was still the 4th of July so I had read that and I mean I had this steely determination that this was it right Mm -hmm. and I had this uh, I went into that day I went into the notes section on my phone and I put it on I I have it um there now um and it said reasons for alcohol free living right and there was all these different reasons so I put that as my screensaver and every time I went into my phone it was there but I read and I read and I read and I read and I listened to podcasts and I just I kind of I I I got on the train. Do you know that kind of way? Yes. So yes. I got on the tr- sobriety train and yes. like I was definitely the first little while I 
um, didn't, so I pretend drank. So when I went out with my friends, um, which were few and far between, like I was in my late thirties, like two little kids at home, but I, I pretend drank. So if somebody gave me a, a glass of wine, I pretend drank out of it. Um, right. Or I would get, pretend that I had a gin and tonic when it was really um, a lemonade. Yes. Um, so I would do that and just, and then like offer to drive people home on the way out and they would never notice. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that I did. I just, yeah, I read and listened like a woman possessed and that kind of really, um, it, it really spurred me on until a point where until a point where I became a lot more confident. About yeah. a year and a half later, we again went to another um, wedding in Spain, would you believe? But this time I was about a year and a half sober. And I didn't tell anybody I wasn't drinking that weekend. It just felt too intense. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I just, Gary ordered me uh, gin, what looked like gins, but there wasn't. And then on the last day, <clears throat> that we were all together I just said listen I haven't been drinking for the weekend and people were like what oh my no god we, we didn't even know I just I didn't feel ready for yes. all the questions because yeah. there you're kind of like this specimen in the corner who doesn't drink it's just so unusual isn't it for somebody yes. not to drink because our yes. culture is that like I have two friends who don't drink and that's all I know in my entire world there are very few people who don't drink and yeah. it's really misunderstood people think you have changed into some kind of I don't know circus mm. animal boring <laughs> alien yes right. yeah oh yeah. my god that you're yeah. so boring you're so dry like you're no fun anymore yes. like and they really 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 make you want to drink yeah yeah that peer pressure can be very intense very intense yeah um yeah I I love that steely determination um I love that because I felt exactly the same and I think you just I think you can sometimes just get to a place where you think doesn't matter what it takes I'm doing it I'm doing doesn't matter how hard it is I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. And I, um, yeah, I, 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 I feel fortunate in some ways that I, I, I eventually got to that place. Cause I, I do think that there was probably several key points in the decade leading up to drinking that I could have stopped and that, you know, I maybe should have stopped. Um, but you know, divine timing and all that, I got there in the end. Absolutely. Um, but I was so ready so ready to do it I was um, so ready it, it was never a case of if it was always going to be how am I going to do this because I, I just I, I knew I was going to do it yeah isn't that yeah, yeah I actually use that phrase a lot as well it's divine timing yes like there are there really are no mistakes you're meant to do it when you're meant to do it yeah. um I have I do a lot of healing modalities you know just based on this and it's kind of I I love it and I have a a lady I go to and I went to her a couple of weeks ago and she said to me you know if we look at alcohol it will probably be one of the greatest gifts of your life and I can for nearly four and a half years in I can honestly say that it probably has been one of the greatest gifts of my life because I have learned so I have evolved more in the last four and a half years than I'd say in the 37 previously, yeah. you know? Yes. And if I can look at, you know, I've been around the world and, you know, I've experienced a lot of things and outside of my family and my kids, it's probably the thing that I'm mm-hmm. most proud of in my entire life. There yeah. is nothing I am more proud of than giving up alcohol. Yeah, because it's also it's such a personal achievement as well isn't it and it, yeah. it, it is it you are going against the grain and that is really really pushing you out of your comfort zone it's hard to push yourself out of your comfort zone it's easy to do what feels comfortable um, and, and stay stuck yeah. um, even if there is a, there is pain in that and I think that's the bit isn't it that's that's the bit that people have to almost kind of tap dance with when they're trying to stop drinking is, you know, is the pain of my drinking big enough to 
face the pain of having the short-term pain yeah to, um but the long-term gain you know it, it, is it is it big enough to face that and yeah. I think that's the sort of that's a little bit of a dance that people do exactly um, and the strength that it takes yeah the consistency like one of the things I always say is how does a fish know it's wet so how do we <laughs> how do we all know so yeah. but everybody drinks our culture has been you know if you look at the last 50 years it's been set up that everything is celebrated with a drink where it's sold yeah. you can buy alcohol everywhere so for people to kind of say to to denounce that and say well I cannot carry on like this because it's nothing but problematic in my life. It's such a, an enormous feat to have to do that. Mm. And it's just so commendable that when you actually finally do. And then I'm sure you can um, agree with this as well. There comes a point as well where alcohol becomes so insignificant in your life that it, it never even occurs to you to take a drink yes. and that's yes. the bit you're looking for isn't it and it is and you know what um I've thought about this recently as well I think that that is not not just a time thing it's not a time thing in isolation uh that triggers that that feeling um I think that is a, that's about the effort that you put in to get yeah. emotionally sober because yes. I, kn- I I don't know of these people but obviously I see lots of uh comments and things on on my posts and you know you can have somebody who has 20 years of recovery let's say um <clears throat> and they still have that mentality of one day at a time um you know I, I if you know I, they basically wake up and think you know I don't want to drink today but you know maybe I might or I or I might miss it sort of thing yeah. and I think I, I I don't feel that way and and that is it's a gift but it's also I think it is down to perhaps your approach on the education side you know the learning getting yourself emotionally sober and this is not to I have to be careful about how I say this which is why I'm not getting my words out very well because I don't obviously want to judge people in um, that situation but I sometimes feel a pang of sadness when I read comments like that about people saying well be careful because you know I was sober for 10 years and I relapsed and I think well but that's not going to happen to me because I don't mm. want alcohol yeah. doesn't hold any value yeah so I think for me as well I really looked at how I coped with things my coping strategies I work in a school I deliver a lot of interventions to uh, young children and teenagers and one of the things I deliver is uh, emotional regulation but in the delivery of this I realized that I wasn't very emotional emotionally regulated so oftentimes that my these massive big feelings like normal everyday feelings of anger and overwhelm and frustration and that they they literally took over my life and you know and I'd maybe explode with the kids or like have a a rage attack and uh, maybe a bit of road rage but how then I coped how I learned to cope with them overwhelming feelings so I'd I'd run for an hour I'd do boot camp I'd go to a spin class I'd talk to a friend I would listen to what I needed to listen to I would meditate get it's always about getting perspective isn't it Mm. about being able because everybody's life is tough like everybody there's not a person I've met in the last 41 years who doesn't have some amount of absolute hell going on in their personal life either past or present or even future because that's the point of life Mm. isn't it Mm. and just to be able to cope with Mm. those problems and to not reach for the bottle you know Mm. and that we can like if we're disappointed or there's failure or or whatever that we don't need the crutch I um uh, I don't know if you've read Laura McKeown's book yes we are the luckiest oh beautiful one of the things that really stuck out for me was if um alcohol is a crutch then we need to find out why we are all limping Mm, you know so like we're using this to 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 prop us up but we need we need other ways to do that don't we yeah and I think that's a that's a really really lovely way of uh, summarizing it I think yeah the the sort of emotional sobriety 
piece is 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 one thing but you're absolutely right that learning to recognize and process your own feelings your own disappointment um you know like you say life is full of disappointment it's full of lovely bits too but yeah. it, it it's it's a bumpy road isn't it and I think I uh, was like you actually in that when I was growing up my mum drank a lot um and she you know she was managing her own pain in life which I've learned yeah and realized and, and accepted and forgiven her and all of those those things but she was managing her own pain and that meant that she wasn't able to demonstrate to me how to process feelings so I kind of grew up in an environment that was a bit chaotic my mum and dad just would argue and you know maybe shout at each other my mum would have these bursts of rage and anger and nothing ever got nothing ever got properly dealt with you know it was a bit like that and then it was all brushed under the carpet and when I got into my 20s uh, that showed up for me I became I I managed things in the same way so if there were disappointments and arguments in relationships I would fly off the handle despite the fact I'm generally quite chilled I think I mean, my husband would laugh at that but you know <laughs> my perception of myself is but no I mean I'm quite a sunny personality um and uh but these moments where obviously I was you know some feelings were coming up bubbling up inside of me and pushing me into a place where I felt very uncomfortable I, I wasn't able to to handle that and I would just sort of have these bursts of rage and then feel so shit yeah. afterwards like yeah. what's wrong with me I'm so rubbish like and then you obviously and then you pick yourself apart and I also did that with my children as well and that was something I didn't want to do I didn't want to be that kind of parent and I really really put myself down for those moments of uh, weakness or, or, or whatever um and it was only when I stopped drinking that I was able to really address all of that yeah. and not drinking gave me the space to learn for the first time in my life how to build some coping strategies yes. how to pause. Is, it's unbelievable isn't it that yeah. I had I was 41 to well it probably wasn't 41 because I gave up drinking at 41 so I probably didn't really start to learn this stuff until 42 maybe a sort of year in all of this started to settle and I started to really face yeah difficulties and feelings and I find that blows my mind. And I think there is probably a lot of people out there that could really relate to, yeah. to that, to what you've said and to what I've just said. Um, and I think when you do put the work in and you have to go through a lot of moments where you fail still in those situations yeah. and then you build you build some yeah. new strategies and build resi- resilience and build some self-compassion. I think that's yeah. a big part of it, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Where you really just is. think, you know what, um, I'm not perfect, but I am trying I do want to try and have a different relationship with my anger and feelings I want to feel it but I maybe don't want to act in these certain ways I've got to find better ways of demonstrating that um and I think when you do that then coupled with some all the emotional sobriety stuff and really working on diminishing that desire for a drink because you believe deep down in your heart you are not getting anything yeah from it and that it is actually bringing you mainly only pain only pain <laughs> then I um I agree with you there there's people say to me if you could just have one drink now would you and I say no way no way I would no not way. want to disconnect with myself in that way I don't want to feel weird and blurry and zoned out and I don't want to shame feel that. I, I like feeling how I feel every day I like facing myself every single day so yeah I just think it's um an interesting point because I think people can go into sobriety thinking oh god this is it now for the rest of my life I'm always going to want a drink absolutely and sobriety is basically just about how do I try and silence that voice but it but it isn't um it isn't there are many ways through and and you can completely lose the desire for a drink yeah and that's what happened to me like it wasn't just it it just faded yeah it just faded it just never became I know in the beginning I used to say that maybe I love red wine 
like <laughs> I've had some really beautiful nights drinking <laughs> red wine <laughs> um, and that was the one thing probably that I missed on just the smell of it and stuff and I used to yeah. say in the very beginning I will start drinking again when I'm 25 in 25 years in my 60s mm. and I will just drink wet red wine because I have some nice memories of that and it never got too chaotic with red wine it did with like other things but maybe red wine not so much um but now I know for sure as I have a nose on my face right yeah. that I will absolutely <laughs> I, it, it, I will never ever ever yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm very confident in no, saying that I, I will never I'm drink same. again. I'm the same. No. Yeah, you know, it's making me laugh and I, I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because I remember saying to my husband, I will have a sherry when I'm a really old granny. Yeah. Like, I'll just come back to it. I'll just do that cute granny thing where I'll do some yeah. crochet and I'll have a couple of sherries a week. But I'm the same. I, I, yeah. I, that, I think I just said that to myself early on because it just maybe subconsciously it just kind of gave me a bit of light towards the end of the tunnel exactly whereas now that that light for me is not having to drink anymore exactly yeah and not and not ever feeling like I miss it um so that's why I was laughing because it just we're quite similar I think when we have have approached certain things um yeah it just reminded me of that Lovely. So, um, so talk to me about how, what, what, what did you do? Did you create a plan for yourself to get sober? What did you do? So, yeah. So the, the biggest help I think was the plan that I had made in, so my reasons, so my whys, you hear people talk a lot about your whys. So I kind of wrote them down and revisit them because they were on my phone a lot. So every day I was either listening to a podcast or reading. So I was every day I was getting more and more um, intentional. I had more and more energy, more and more, more and more motivation. But probably the thing that kept me going the most was the freedom. So, you know, when you wake up and you open your eyes and there's nothing there, there is no shame. There's no regret. There's no black spots. There's no nothing. And that was the bit like that was an absolute you know, triumph that I woke up and that there was none of those really, really negative feelings. So um, that was kind of the thing. So the plan was, I don't know, there kind of didn't seem to be a plan, but every, as I kind of reached another milestone and I like a hundred days went by and then my first wedding came and I danced sober at a wedding. Well, that was lovely. And then like I went to a hen party and actually, and then like you learn to be maybe a bit more out there because you have to be, because you feel like you're kind of making up for the fact that you don't drink. So you maybe, so I know I've been to a couple of things and I would maybe be a little bit more outrageous or whatever to kind of show people that like, I'm not this freak, you know, I'm just a person who has chosen not to drink, you know? So, um, I did a lot of healing work. So I did a lot of Reiki and that got rid of a lot of shame. I, there was a big, big outburst of shame for the first couple of months. So, and it would kind of hit me when I was driving in certain patches and you'd kind of just a thought would flurry in and you'd be like, Oh my God, I just remembered that. So this would, yeah. So Reiki was definitely a big, a big help to me. A lot of meditation, meditation like like I said a lot of that emotional regulation work just kind of working through a lot of the emotional things how did I cope with things as well disappointments and yeah Mm -hmm. so exercise came out in I actually noticed that I was actually quite competitive so I uh, love doing sprints and you know and that feeling then of you suspend all emotion for an hour when you're doing really intense exercise and maybe going for a walk chatting with friends that kind of stuff so yeah it sounds like you really threw yourself into it (laughs) which is brilliant which which you have to do I think I have no choice like it was it was it felt so destructive and I felt I was doing myself such a disservice all the time by constantly apologizing and like I could have had a great night out you know um but if I had any gaps in my memory I would fill those with the worst things imaginable you Mm -hmm. know and then that just the feelings were just so horrifically overwhelming that it just couldn't like I said earlier me and alcohol just couldn't exist in the same body for any 
any longer because it was it just felt so destru- destructive mm-hmm. internally like if you looked at me like I was doing really really well you know like I have a really functional relationship I have beautiful kids I have a great job we have a lovely home you know but internally I was literally I was being absolutely choked by mm-hmm. alcohol God. That's how it felt. Yeah. Felt intense. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you described there um, one of the immediate benefits, I think, of giving up drinking is that clarity and oh, freshness wow. in the morning. Mm. I mean, that sort of really takes you by surprise, doesn't it? It's, it's probably one of the best things. The freedom. Yes. That, that, that the guilt isn't going to appear at any yes. stage during the day. That even, that you will remember everything. <laughs> and that everything that you do is intentional. Yeah, so every, right. You will never insult anybody, only by mistake or whatever. But you can use your words to apologize for that, you know. Yes. But that nothing is done mm. without your intention. You're in control of absolutely everything that happens yeah. in your life. That to me was just... mind-blowing in the first little while you know that was I think probably that was the bit that um spurred me on the most that clarity and the end of the energy and the motivation so like I always say it was like one step forward two steps back you know so I generally I'm quite healthy I really like exercise and I really like eating well like if I had a hangover I would probably eat a lot of bread and starch for the first three days of the week just to try and uh, like ease the pain of the hangover and then come Wednesday so like I'd have all these really good intentions but they would be literally pulled back by the lack of energy the interrupted sleep all the really really harsh negative things and that was gone so if I made an intention to go walking every night of the week I would stick to it yes. whereas if I was drinking I wouldn't no you know because yeah. I'd be just too lazy yes. and <laughs> booze fatigued exactly exactly so that it's it's it really has been nothing but a joy I know that sounds really annoying but it just I have it has been nothing but positive oh that's so that's so brilliant um it, it was reminding me then of um I used to do this thing when I drank, if I had an event coming up, I'd always get really hammered the night before mm-hmm. and would be so hungover. And yeah. It's real self-sabotage, isn't it? Yeah. And would just be so hungover um, during the actual event, big event itself, you know, that yeah. whether that was a wedding or, or something like that. And it's so nice now that um, every plan that I've got in the calendar, I just look forward to those yeah. things. Um, I don't have any fear of, oh, but actually, am I going to drink too much the night before? Because that is my pattern. I mean, I actually used to think that. I did too. You'd think that you would stop yeah. because of that, but it, but you just, it's almost like I have the thought and then that would make me go three times harder. Yeah. Um, and just to know that when you say, like you say, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna put something in the calendar, you're going to be somewhere, even if that's six in the morning at the beach for a swim, you know you're going to be there. Unless you're you're ill all of a sudden. But like you say, you just, you have so much intention and you have so much more energy. Integrity. And integrity, yeah. So it's such a beautiful quality, you know? It's just that you are true to your word and that you will stick by it. And you're so reliable that you can count, be counted on for absolutely everything. And if you, like, and before, if you were used to being a bit flaky, you know, oh, sorry, I can't make it today or whatever. Like, it's disappointing. You're, you know, it's it's leaving people in the lurch. It's not very, it's not very noble. It's not, no, yeah. Um, so talk to me about what the hardest bit, I know it's all, it's, it sounds like it's been a real, just such a positive journey. Um, but has there been anything that you would say was the hardest bit? Yeah. Yeah. So people, (laughs) (laughs) so people, um, yeah, people accepting. So if you kind of grow up as a, a, a boozer, your friends are boozers, they're all great crack, you're a great crack. And then you turn up one night and you're like, sorry I'm not her anymore and they're like 
what oh my god no go on have a vodka have a whiskey have a cider like have whatever you want so people probably getting used to the new me um has been a lot even now I'll still get little comments every now and then but like I said I just can't go back I can't go back to being her you know um I sat beside somebody about a year and a half in again um at a work do and I did not know him at all like he's a lovely fella I get on really well with him but this was kind of our first or second time meeting and we were all having dinner and he was having a whiskey and he said to me go on have a whiskey and I said um actually no I I don't drink I haven't drank in quite a while but you're grand and he was like no seriously come on sure it's only one and he kept at me for about five minutes lovely person very well-meaning but it was it's just so unnatural isn't it for people to not drink that he just couldn't get over it so yeah people have been hard um probably as well coming to terms now I know listen like I'm in I was in my late 30s I'm in my 40s now there's it's it's a very different life that I lead now to 20 years ago but like the high highs so Mm -hmm. the high highs of a really connected beautiful night out that you would have with all your friends I kind of the bit in the beginning was that I rarely will have them high highs again but the the offshot of that is that I won't have the low lows Mm. so um that kind of thing but it's in saying that I just mentioned connection there if I as I've done a lot of reflection looking back on it and if I look the thing that I was looking for in all of the drinking was the, the connection with others mm. it was the laughs it was the commonalities it mm. was you know that barrier being down and people telling you really truly how they felt and mm. all those kind of declarations of vulnerability and I just I really really love that connection mm. um so yeah sorry I went off topic there <laughs> no no not at all um have you has some of your f- friendships changed yeah or, yeah yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I said they hadn't, you know. I've developed new friendships, um, but yeah, no, some of them have changed. And that's okay too, because I cannot be anything other than who I am now. Yeah. And it would be impossible for me to go back and detrimental, you know, but they have. And I, you know, it would be remiss of me to say they haven't. But you listen, you accept it and you move on, you know, and not in a, a, a really, like I haven't, absolutely, I haven't lost friendships, but they have changed. Yes. You know, they have yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, most of my friendships have been, have remained the same or, or I would like to say have got, have got better. And but I don't know whether that's also partly age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more wise as well. But there's definitely a few um, friendships that I think, I think some of them do naturally maybe fall away if you make friendships in your twenties at work, yeah, then you know the thirties and kids and people move away and all of that stuff. And yeah, um, I've got a group of girlfriends that um, it's always a boozy thing, which was great fun. Like I can't, you know, can't can't deny. Um, and there was a lot of fun in that meeting up and staying overnight somewhere, and and that has probably changed you know quite a bit now I mean I don't I'm not sure if they I don't think they've actually done anything without me as such but it's a tricky thing to say yeah I'll I'll be there for that because I it's not kind of um in line with what I like doing now And, and so it's like how much do I how much do I give of myself in those situations for the sort of you know how much do I have to kind of push myself out of my my comfort zone, but not necessarily in a in a good way, in a way that will maybe eventually in that night will be boring or will get yeah. comfortable or I might yeah. yeah it's just it's a tricky one, isn't it? So um, at some point there there might be an opportunity to do something with with those friends, but um, I am I do feel like that old me has has gone now yeah. and that is reality really like you can't yeah. dress it off anymore can you yeah um, and I think they probably feel a bit sad about that as well um but 
I think for me, I I have got good boundaries now and I am yeah. comfortable saying, do you know what? I'd love to come for dinner and then I'll drive home. Absolutely. And, and there's always a point, isn't there, yeah, in the night? Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not sure. Because actually it was after one of those messy weekends that I stopped drinking okay. <laughs> with that group. You know, not that group's fault. I'm not saying for that reason, but um, I just sort of, in, in, in that group dynamic, I just <laughs> became the worst version of my drinking self. Yeah and um so they've seen me at my highest and my lowest and I know that as the drinks come out in those situations I know there'll be probably quite a lot of heckling yeah (laughs) I mean maybe not maybe not maybe I'm kind of discrediting the situation but yeah I just I just those those sort of situations will be different now but it's about offering you know myself to a point where I'm comfortable with, because I would love to continue those friendships, but it's just, it's got to be not at the cost of everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah. So um, what has been the biggest gain for you? Um, Like yourself, I think there's so many, and it's hard to kind of uh, differentiate what's the biggest. But um, if I kind, I look back to when I was kind of a deep kid. So at 12 or 13, I had developed this vision of what I'd like to be when I was in my 40s, which seemed like centuries away back then. But I think I am very close to the vision of the woman that I always thought I would be. So I am calm-ish. Uh, no, but I, I, I kind of, I embody a lot of the attributes that I hold really, really close. So, you know, I am, like we said earlier on, I'm really reliable. I'm intentional. I have good control over my emotional reactions. I'm kind. um, I'm, you know, really willing to give up my time. They're just, I'm motivated. I have lots of energy. It just, it has it has kind of transformed me into the woman that I've always thought that I would be and that I always knew who was within me. And it set me as well on a path that like, I'm really, really passionate about this. And I've just started a postgraduate diploma in alcohol studies. And I'm starting to run like alcohol-free workshops, things that I never, ever thought I would do, but I'm kind of edging out of my comfort zone all the time even this is an example of that you know but I'm growing I'm evolving and I just think I was stagnated for such a long time that now just removing one single thing from my life has kind of caused these seismic shifts in my life you know that I'm becoming so much more confident so much more embodied with all the values that I hold really dear like kindness and um I can't think of any more, but you know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it feels like that it's kind of meant to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I love that. It is so, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? You just take that one thing away and one it's thing. so transformational. It's um, unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable to think that one thing in your life, if you remove it, it can cause such incredible changes, but it is. And I, you know, I've connected with a lot of people who are like at the beginning of their journey or whatever. And I can't kind of emphasize enough how much this will change your life because, and it's only people who are sober as well know it, you know, that it is just, you you, you will rarely meet a person who regrets. I'd say you'll never meet a person who regrets being sober. Never. Because it's just so transformational. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Kittens jumped off. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So talk to me about your uh, three tips. What three tips have you got for people that are thinking about getting sober um, or are in sobriety? In sobriety. So number one for me would be to trust your intuition. So we all have a knowing within us that who we are and what we're about. Now, I had this knowing for a long time. I have a little slogan now that I say that I'm not an anti-drinker, but I'm a problem one, okay? But I knew for a long time that my drinking was like 
it could lead me down paths that I would never really go down, you know. And I have a story about this. I one Monday morning I ended up um, outside where I work <clears throat> after really a great weekend, but like the 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 low lows were down there, and um, I decided to ring AA because I didn't know where to go. So I rang AA at half seven in the morning. It wasn't open. So I then I rang a friend of mine, Davey, and I it was just like, I feel so horrific. My mood is so low. I think I'm an alcoholic. What am I going to do? And he replied with, um, Olivia, you're not an alcoholic. You're just great crack. And I remember, like, my intuition was that there's a problem here. How can I deal with it? But I, I, sh- I shut off that part of me. And I knew for a long time that it wasn't, it wasn't doing me any good. But mm-hmm. yeah, so number one is trust your intuition. If you think there's a problem there, you're probably right. You know, your life is always trying to tell you things. And uh, I think if it's trying to tell you that it has a problem with, you have a problem with alcohol, you probably do. And number two? Number two is that um, if you can get curious about your relationship with alcohol, so get curious in how you use it, who you use it with, uh, what are your thoughts about it? Like, so what do you think about alcohol? What, what's your attitude towards it? What is your belief? Um, like, what, what's um, the home you were raised in? Like, how did they use alcohol there? Your peer group, when did you start? How have you used it? All those, just get curious about how it impacts in your life and just take a, an objective look at that. You know, stand back and have a look and see what kind of things that you that how you use it to cope and how you use it to celebrate, how you use it to commiserate, all those kind of things. So get really, really curious around that. Yeah, that's a really good one, isn't it? I I say that a lot to people that are in the sober curious phase, not that they are aware of that phrase, um, but I just say, just get curious. You know, you're not going to get sober tomorrow forever probably yeah. some people will but you know most people need to go through that um kind of get that intentional energy yeah um and yeah get, getting curious is a great way I think just for me I read the unexpected joy of being sober in the February on a work trip to San Francisco and I was drinking in that week, but I was trying very hard to keep a lid on it because I was with clients and work colleagues. And I did really well on Monday and Tuesday, uh, really well. And then Wednesday, I got absolutely battered, so drunk. And I think, I think a work colleague found me at the lifts of this grand hotel with all these people that I didn't really know very well. Um, and he was saw me trying to punch in the number to go on the next floor. And I was like, I'm totally in kind of blackout mode. Yeah. Um, so, but I was curious, you know, yeah. I was, I was reading that book and I think, you know, that following morning, you know, all of those sorts of moments, they, they help, don't they? In that, in that sober curious phase, all those sort of bits of reading or maybe even starting to listen to podcasts and just starting to explore sober Instagram and then coupling that with your, nights that you're not managing to drink how you want to which you know are frequent well they were for me they were quite frequent and you're making lots of mistakes and eventually that gets you to that point that we both arrived at which is that's it I've got to I've got to stop stop. and what's your third one so I was kind of um what is my third one to really to to really go hell for leather into the reading and the podcasts and the all that kind of stuff but to also um realize that failure is part of the process yeah it's all feedback coming back to you so when I initially kind of gave up I had stopped and started for about seven months but Mm -hmm. In that, the seven months of stopping and starting, that's when I think all that intentional and energy that I was uh, talking about uh, built up. Mm -hmm. So it all taught me something. It all kind of taught me that, okay, this is not where I need to be or this is not where I need to go. But that like we all have failed a million times and that failure isn't... It's not a bad thing. It actually spurs you on. So the more you fail, it it, it really will... Everything, like you said earlier, has a divine timing when it's meant to happen. And actually, I said this to somebody very recently. When the student is ready, 
all the teachings will come. So when you are ready, everything that you need will be provided for on your on your on your journey. Like there will be these spontaneous synchronistic. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Synchronicities that will just pop up and you will meet people and you will find books on tables and you will meet people who will um, show you the way and you will listen to podcasts that will really resonate with you. But you will know that when the time is ready, it will absolutely happen. Yeah. Oh, I feel so inspired. <laughs> I love You're going to give it up again. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Agree with that. Um, the failure bit. Um, the biggest growth comes from failure, and I think sometimes oh. it's easy to um, overlook that. That actually, if you're feeling like a failure or whatever come up here then uh yeah th- this is this is where the biggest shift will happen this is where the absolutely. biggest growth is yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna spring something on you here which we haven't okay. talked about but um as the christmas season is coming up lots of people are feeling anxious about christmas do you have a bonus christmas sobriety tip um oh yes so when you go on your nights out Plan, plan, plan. Okay, so um, it there has never been a more incredible time to be sober. It is, we are on the crest of a wave. I am telling you that sobriety is really good. It's going to become an avalanche over the next few years. I don't know, I really feel that. But like, look at all the alternatives people can drink. So I live in Dublin. There is a dry bar in Dublin. Like we all know the reputation that Irish people have the world over about drinking. If there is a non-alcoholic bar in Dublin, that means something is shifting. Okay. You can drink Guinness. You can drink Heineken. You can have mocktails. You can pretend, pretend, pretend that you're drinking. You can stand in your kitchen and learn how to sober dance. You can have all these things prepared so that you remain safe during your Christmas period and that you don't that you don't renege on what you feel is really your your path in life. So if you feel that alcohol is not for you, give it your best shot and just plan, plan, plan for all those nights out. You know, Christmas, like it's, yeah, it's it's a really, really tough one because people expect that like you go hell for leather, but like there's a lot of alternatives that you can, you can choose instead of like the, the full alcoholic way, you know? Yeah, that's, they're such great tips. Um, I was talking to um, Sarah, who's not been released yet, um, a couple of of weeks ago, and I asked her the same question. And she um, talked about her, this sort of the sober strategy, Christmas sober toolbox. Um, Yeah. Just having everything prepared, like you say, having things ready, having a podcast is a go-to that if you've got 15 minutes spare when you're hanging out the washing get it on absolutely <laughs> that's, what, that's yeah. what I used to do I used to have yeah. it all, all the time every tiny bit of spare time that I had I would have a podcast just pushing information into my ears um, absolutely and um, taking yourself away from from you know having a boundary and taking absolutely. yourself away and dipping into your Christmas sober toolbox what can absolutely. I do listen to a podcast read a bit of a book um read say some affirmations go back to my whys you know all these things exactly. maybe do um, a bit of journaling bit of journaling uh, yeah. decide maybe the one th- thing that is really good maybe decide to drive to a restaurant or a pub yeah no you're not going to uh you're not going to take a drink if you have the car outside you know yes. yeah so that, yeah. that always worked really well for me I decide to drive and yeah. then people couldn't you'd be like oh well, I'm driving or whatever so yeah, have your story straight. That, that's have a, your that, story straight. Yeah, yeah. Because it's always that. Are you pregnant? Yeah. You know, yeah. are you on antibiotics? Yeah. Have you got a problem then? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and actually, <laughs> in the in the very early days, I would have uh, privately thought of myself as an alcoholic. But now, like a, a couple of months in, I discovered the term grey area drinker. So that's yeah. what I kind of that's what resonates with me I kind of yeah. it really really feels that that's what I am same yeah yeah I'm 100% gray area 100% drinker. yeah and I yeah. sometimes describe my gray area drinking as uh as flitting between the light gray 
the medium and the dark gray absolutely and that really I'm the exact same so there was definitely months and months and months that I went without drinking especially coming up to my wedding I wanted to be really motivated and look great on the day and all that kind of stuff and I didn't want to be a bride who forgot her wedding day you know who blacked out so yeah I didn't it wasn't really an issue then so there'd be prolonged times of not drinking Mm -hmm. you know and being pregnant and not drinking didn't really affect me at all so yeah gray area drinking is something that really really resonates with me yeah yeah Yeah. um oh it's been so lovely to talk really has olivia um i I find you so inspiring i just i can imagine you (laughs) on a ted on a ted talk stage in a few years no pressure actually oh my god (laughs) yeah you're really really good at telling a story and explaining things it's it's very captivating but like, like I said earlier, like, and I think this, for me to say this, I just really wanted to sit with people. It is the proudest thing that I have done in my life. Nothing. There is not one thing that I am more proud of that I, Olivia, has done. It has just been absolutely revolutionary in my life. Yeah. You know, and I hope people really, really get that. That's what I want them to really, really get, you know? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and it's hard, isn't it, until you've actually done it and achieved oh, it. It's sometimes absolutely. quite difficult to, absolutely. I mean, this is part of the reason why I love this podcast as well, is there's so many of these stories that have twists and turns and dark bits and light bits. and But the overriding message is that life is just so much better so <laughs> without much better. alcohol and you so know as long better. as you can find tools to navigate all the bits particularly in the early days to yeah. remove it absolutely you'll be absolutely fine and like you say you will not regret it no absolutely not not for one second of your life no, not for one second have I regretted it no never no me, never I got married sober and a friend said but surely you're gonna do, surely you just have a champagne on your wedding day and I was I just found it it was so alien for me yeah. I why um I, I was two years sober at that point and um yeah even even being two years sober it was quite eye-opening that somebody would think that I would just go oh yeah it's my wedding day I'll just have a exactly champagne. it's but wild it never I mean I had the most amazing wonderful day I danced sober all night I loved it I'd practice danced I love that so yeah I practiced dance yeah. Um, in the kitchen in the kitchen to 90s rave <laughs> all types like, of music how uh, do you know gotta be stirred and something <laughs> oh it's fab yeah it's brilliant um So if you're open to sharing your journey, how can we find you? So I have recently set up a uh, Instagram page and it is called at Grey Area Drinker. Great. At Grey Area Drinker. Yes. So it's in the very early days, but yeah, I'm there. And if anyone wants to drop me a wee line or start a conversation, I would absolutely love that. I would encourage people to do that (laughs) as well, please. I think absolute delight, Olivia. Thank you so much. Um, And yeah, please, let's stay in touch. Keep you posted. 100%. Thanks a million. Yeah, all the very best with it. Looking forward to seeing you on a TED TED stage. Oh, well, listen, (laughs) I'll have to work through a bit of nerves before that. Exactly. That's your challenge. Yeah, exactly. Five year challenge. Exactly. I'll do that in front of the mirror up here in the bedroom. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. And thank okay. you to everybody who continues to listen and support this show. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.